I want to be that for my audience. I want them to feel like if they saw me in the grocery store, they could just come up. I want them to feel like they're with me because I am with them. I get them and I understand how they feel. I understand the fear and the doubt and insecurities. And I like to show that a lot of times in content creation world now, what you hear is that one person posted like one viral video and then all of a sudden their life was changed. And I don't think that's how it works for 97% of people. You know, I think 97% of people have to find their voice and to find what their clients need from them and be able to speak their love language on a regular basis, which is not an easy process, but it's definitely worth it. That was Danita Scott. And in this episode, she shares her journey of quitting her job without a plan and how that led to starting and growing a thriving business as an online course creator for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. Danita opens up about her failures along the way and how they've helped her learn and grow, as well as her approach to finding her voice online and creating authentic content that resonates with her audience on each of her social platforms. I really love this conversation and the energy that Danita brings to her work, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So let's jump in. You're listening to the Content Heroes Podcast, where entrepreneurs, marketers, and creatives share how they've built profitable businesses on their own terms by creating content online. And now, your host, Josiah Goff. Welcome to Content Heroes, everyone. I am here with Danita Scott, and she's an online course creator for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. Danita, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad to be with Content Heroes. Awesome. So why don't you start by sharing with us your origin story and how you got into content creation? Absolutely. In 2016, I made the decision to quit my job for my birthday, which sounds real fun until you don't have a plan, right? And so I had written a book the year before and I knew I wanted my book to be part of my business plan and to make impact in the world. So with the book and my ideas, I decided to create my very first online course. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything about technology. I didn't know how to market the course. I didn't know how to create content. And I decided the best way to learn was to just jump in. So I jumped in and I created this really amazing, fancy course. I paid one of my friends who was a content creator to help me walk through the process. And when I was done, nobody bought it. Like nobody. I couldn't give that sucker away. It wasn't a lead magnet. It just didn't work. And I made a vow to myself. I said, you know, once I figure this out, I'm going to teach other people. And I really want to teach people who are purpose-driven and feel like they have to create something, you know, how to do this and how to do it successfully. Oh, I love that. I have kind of a similar story where I left my job without a plan as well. I'm curious, what was going through your head in those moments? Like, were you scared? Were you excited? Was it a mixture of both? What really caused you to step out on your own? I had a conversation with one of my best friends and we were talking about some problems that we had at work and we both worked at the same place. She had left a few months before. She was like, well, how's it going today? And I was like, oh, it's the same day. It was a new day with the same problems over and over again. She was like, well, how much longer are you going to take that? And I was like, I'm going to quit. And she was like, yeah, right. You're never going to quit. You're going to be right there in two years. I said, okay. I went home and I typed my resignation letter and I was so scared because I honestly really kind of only had an idea and I really didn't know how to bring that to life. And the next week, I actually happened to go to a business conference. It was one that I wanted to go to before, but at my job, they were really great people. So I don't ever want to say this in a bad way, but this is what actually happened. A few months before that conference, I wanted to go to New York for like three days. 
And instead of just being able to take that time off, I had to write a dissertation about why I needed three days off. And I had five weeks of vacation. I was like, you know what? I'm an adult, so nobody's going to control my life like that. So I'm just going to figure this out. Like, obviously I can't. So once I quit, I realized that I had the freedom of options, which is really beautiful, but it also can be very overwhelming. So I hired a business coach to help me narrow those options down so I could be more clear, intentional, and focused on what was next for my life and for my business. That's great. That's actually one of the first things I did too, was I hired a life coach and a business coach to help me get sorted out. What did that process look like for you? What prompted you to make that decision? What was that thought process? Why did you decide that, that you needed help to help you figure things out? And also, what did that process look like working with them? It was really a great process. I was in a business mastermind. So I spent a year with six other entrepreneurs and we all had different things that we were working on, but we had a common theme is that we really wanted life freedom and to be able to make choices and we wanted guidance on how to do that. So being in a business mastermind was a huge part of my success. A lot of what happens in my business now is really based on me making that choice and that investment to invest in myself. And it was not cheap. Let's not pretend like this is like $10, $5 a course. It wasn't like that. I could have bought a car. You know what I'm saying? But I, <laughs> I thought about it and I was like, I have a lot of degrees and a lot of student loan debt, which I am working diligently to eliminate. And I was like, you know, if I believed in a degree enough to invest $30,000, $40,000, dollars $50,000, why wouldn't I invest not that level, but at a higher level in order to really understand how to run my business? I was like, this is an investment that pays off for me and I deserve that. So it was hard, but it actually was a money mindset that I had to flip and say, you know, if I believe in investing in all these other things, then why not invest in myself? And I think that's something every content creator should do, whether they do it through a business coach, a program, a course, like you've got to put something in to get something out. It just, that's how the system works. Definitely. I think that it can be easy, especially when you're first starting out to fall into that trap, that scarcity mindset of like, you know, at first it's really exciting. Oh, I quit my job. I'm starting my business. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got bills to pay. Like, you know, and it's really easy to get down in that mindset. And I love what you said about investing in yourself. We've talked about this on the show before. Like, thankfully, one of the things that I learned early on was that my business is a direct reflection of me. If I want to grow my business, I have to grow myself first. And that means investing in myself. Yeah, I did the same thing. It's like, and for me, I think I spent somewhere between twelve and fourteen thousand my first year of my business on coaches and courses, which can sound like crazy and irresponsible, right? But I can directly tie at least eight times that amount in revenue to that investment directly. And not to mention all of like the other indirect revenue that came in as a result of me doing that. You absolutely nailed it when you said that we need to be investing in ourselves. I'm curious what you've seen as a result of that in your business and maybe some specifics and like how that has impacted your business and accelerated your growth. Absolutely. I am exactly the same. I've spent about the same amount of money and I've seen those direct investments come back through relationships. I can say for sure that I can pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm struggling with this and get answers that people can't get in 10 minutes. I also have been able to be connected to people who can get me to where I want to go. So if I have a question, I know who to call. And that is very, very invaluable, especially when you're starting off new in business. 
you know, if you're struggling with something in technology and you're like, oh, how do I make, you know, my messenger bot do whatever I'm trying to make it do? I know who to call. That's a huge open door that you can't quantify in value versus when you're trying to figure it out all on your own. You're like, oh, should I do this or should I do that? Or does this work? You're on every single webinar and trying to figure out everybody's free game. And that is just a pointless strategy. You really need something focused on who you are as a leader, what you want to create and how you want to impact your audience. Because otherwise you're going to be spinning your wheels for a long time when you could just be making money doing what you love. Mm, So good. So Danita, let's talk about where your business is now. Because I know that you started a couple of years ago. It sounds like you've had some big shifts from a mindset perspective and was able to jump in and and grow your business pretty quickly. What are you doing now? And what are some of the successes and some failures that you've learned along the way the last couple of years? Yeah. So I love to start with my first failure or my first four failures, because I think a lot of times when we see people who have achieved any level of success, we're like, oh yeah, that was easy for them. Um, No. So one of the first things I did in my business is I knew I needed to get my message out there. So I created content webinars. That was like my first aim. And so my goal of my content webinars was to sell an online coaching program. So the first one I did, I think I spent maybe a week and a half, like putting together all the content and all the videos and all the things I wanted to do. And then I spent like two weeks promoting it. And I had a hundred people to sign up, but I did have no follow-up system. So like 13 of them showed up to the webinar. And so then I made an offer and guess who bought? Nobody. (laughs) So I was like, okay, let me try this again. I was like, at least I learned. So then I implemented a follow-up system to remind people because anytime you're doing something that's virtual, people forget. They say they're going to be there and they don't. Show up rate is 50%. So you know that going in, then you're like, okay, fine. I did the follow-up system and I put an offer together. Half of the people who came on my offer were like friends. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't want my friends to buy from me because I really didn't know what I was doing. So I sold (laughs) nothing (laughs) again. And so the third time I was like, I've got to figure this out. Like I'm going to have a successful webinar. I don't care how I feel. And so I put my offer together. And when I did it, like when I was done with it, I was like, this is going to sell. I know it is. So I did. And my first sale, I had six people for my online coaching program. I think it was like $200. I felt like that was a million dollars. I was like, what? I created $1,000 for my idea. That was so valuable to me because I knew that I could then take something that was an idea in my mind and make it make money. That was just so powerful. So the first three times I say, those are like tries, right? And then from there, I perfected the system and changed the messaging a little bit. And now I know when I launch something, what I should expect. Like I'm in the middle of a launch now and I'm like, okay, well, I should expect this because I've done this effort. And that feels really good, but it doesn't come until you actually do it. So one of the things that my coach would tell me all the time is hurry up and fail so you can figure out what's the method that's going to work. Because the first one's the worst one. So even if you get five on your first one, that's better than not trying. What I love about what you just shared is really what I'm hearing from you is those weren't actually failures. Mm -hmm. Because what you said was you learned. Yes, You made that decision, that choice in your head. You chose the interpretation that I didn't get the outcome that I wanted. That's okay because I can learn from that and I can do better in the next one. The powerful thing about that is if you had gotten into that place of like, oh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted and I'm terrible at this and then a huge failure, that serves no one. It doesn't serve you, but doesn't help you at all. And it definitely doesn't help the people that you're trying to serve. 
So I love that. That's absolutely the mentality that would serve us best to take on as content creators. One of my coaches, Jim Fortin, he talks about this a lot. He says, there is no such thing as success or failure. There's only outcomes. Mm -hmm. And you choose what that outcome means. I think that's fantastic. What does your business look like now? You're an online course creator for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. How do you help that group of people? What made you choose that group of people to serve? So what made me choose the group of people to serve was that I felt like in order to live my life and be successful, if I wasn't making impact in the lives personally of people, then I was a personal failure. So I could identify with that person who was like, oh man, if I don't push this business off the ground, like part of the reason why I was born won't be fulfilled. And some people get into business just to, you know, make money, which is what everybody wants. Don't get it twisted. Just because I want to help people doesn't mean I don't want to be paid. But at the same time, I knew that my purpose, my life mission was really tied to being able to create value in the lives of people. And so what made me choose that segment of people was that I knew I could speak their language. I knew that for them, it wasn't just one thing. One of my clients has been married for 20 years and she wants to take her husband on an all expense paid vacation. And so creating her course has been able to open that door for her. That's so powerful because that's beyond just doing something for fun. That's being able to take someone on a dream vacation. That's worth it to me. For the clients that I work with, it's always tied to something bigger. It's always tied to, you know, a dream being able to be realized and be able to have vehicles and outcomes that help dreams come true is what I want to be able to create for my clients. I want them to say, because I spent this time, this money, this effort, this energy, had these failures, it produced this. And that this is what they keep in the front of their eyes at all times so that when it gets hard, because it will, and you will fail and you will do it wrong, then you'll have a why behind your what. And so that's why I chose the purpose-driven entrepreneurs. I love it. Danita, I'd really love to jump into your content creation process because you know I see you posting a lot on Facebook and doing lives and all of that stuff. I love the sort of authentic energy that you bring to that. Could you talk about your approach to content creation? Yeah. So one of the things I tell my clients is that you want to be the answer to the problem in your client's head. I told this story last night to one of my private group of mentorship people. I have a friend and I'm in my 40s and she's always giving me dating advice. She's been married for 15 years. So she's been off the market for a long time. And she was like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. I said, that doesn't work in 2019. I said, that worked in 2000. <laughs> she was like, oh, no, no. And I said, okay, I'm going to do your method, right? And so this is just like content creation. So I did exactly what she said and it didn't work. And she was like, that didn't work. I said, I told you. <laughs> so what you want to be is you want to be the answer to your client's problems. And you want to think like what they're thinking when they're in the middle of the problem. Because when we're in the middle of any problem, sometimes it's hard to think through it. So you want to answer their question. So I wish someone would answer the question of how do you date after 40? You know, how do you get past the internet drama? I wish people would answer those questions with practical solutions that don't involve like self-care and meditating on a mountain because that's not practical, right? I already meditate. So I like practical, real, you know, in-touch solutions. I want to be that for my audience. I want them to feel like if they saw me in the grocery store, they could just come up and be like, oh my gosh, you know, when you talked about, or, you know, when you were doing this, I want them to feel like they're with me because I am with them. I get them. 
And I understand how they feel. I understand the fear and the doubt and the insecurities. And I like to show that. Like, I like to show goofy and silly and fun and, you know, just all kinds of sides of the reality of being in the market, of being able to market a message because it's not one-sided. It's, you know, the side where I show you a failure or I show you where it didn't work or I show you where it worked really well and I was pleased, but it's all part of the journey. And I think it's wrong because a lot of times in content creation world now, what you hear is that one person posted like one viral video and then all of a sudden their life was changed. And I don't think that's how it works for 97% of people. You know, I think 97% of people have to find their voice and to find what their clients need from them and be able to speak their love language on a regular basis, which is not an easy process, but it's definitely worth it. So Danita, we were talking earlier and you were saying how you also take a different approach depending on which platform you're on. Can you talk a little bit about that and the the platforms that you're using and how you treat them differently? Absolutely. So my favorite platform, the one that I'm most active on is Facebook. I have two groups that I administer over there. One is for my online course creation. The other one is a strategic accountability group. And I show all sides of my life on Facebook. Like I show the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, I show when my mama picks my online dates and it's just a mess. It's fun for me there. On LinkedIn, my goal is really to secure professional speaking engagements and to let people know about my online course. That's like my goal. So LinkedIn feels like going to the principal's office, like checking off all the boxes and doing it all right. And then on Instagram, in the past, I really didn't have a big presence there, but I didn't know how it fit into my brand. But for 2020, I have a new strategy that I want to take to Instagram and a voice that I just want to use on Instagram. So if you meet me there, the only thing I'll talk about is goals, goal setting, purpose-driven goal setting. That's the only thing I'll talk about. So then I can be myself on each one of them, but each one of them can have a purpose for the business. That's great. So when you're kind of hopping from platform to platform, do you find it it can kind of get easy to overthink things? You're trying to make sure that you are bringing the right message to the right audience in these different places. I feel like oftentimes we can get into our heads when we're trying to do that and get into perfectionism. And that really can slow down the content creation process. So is that something that has been a challenge for you? And and if so, how do you approach that? It's been a huge challenge for me. When I first started my business, I tried to be active on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and on Facebook, and a little bit on Twitter. And I discovered quickly, I don't like Twitter. So I just, I'm like, no, I use Twitter really. It's very strategic. It's for customer service complaints. So if you ever follow (laughs) me over there, you will only see me like, oh my gosh, let me tell you what this company did wrong day because you know you're going to get instant response. Right, exactly. I don't use it for any type of content sharing, creation. I think it's really fun, but it's just, it's not my jam. So I just don't use it. I discovered what I did not like. I know what the purpose is. At first, I was trying to do everything, but I wanted to master my voice on one. Like, how did I want to show up on one platform? So I chose Facebook as a platform I could show up on consistently. And now that I understand my brand voice a little bit more, I understand what I want to post on different parts and how I want to show up in different ways. So it made it a lot easier not to get overwhelmed I always tell my new students is like, pick the platform that's going to amplify your voice. I have a client that is a t-shirt maker and she was really heavy on Facebook. And I was like, Instagram and Pinterest should be where you go because 
you're creating things that people want to buy, you know, t-shirts and mugs and that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's where people find that stuff. And when she flipped there, I mean, she took off so quickly. And it was because she picked the content platform that really matched her voice. She's more of an introvert. So those two platforms were brilliant for her and it made her feel really good versus, you know, she shouldn't try to keep up with my strategy of showing, you know, my mama picking my online dates. That's not who she was and she wasn't going to share that side of her, but she could really share a lot on those two platforms. So I think when you're picking social media platforms, you have to think about who you are and how you want to show up and what's important to you in the process. And one of my friends was constantly trying to get me over to LinkedIn. And I was like, I never get clients from there. 10 people chose me yesterday on Facebook. So I'm going to show up where they want to hear me and not try to make myself feel uncomfortable with creating content on places that my content doesn't resonate with. Once I understood my brand voice, now I understand how to use them differently. But I don't think people should try all of them all at once because you're going to get overwhelmed. Each one of them have different rules too. Great advice. I see that a lot. I get questions a lot from friends and different people. I work with online content creators and they're like, yeah, how do I get into that world? Because you know, there's YouTube and then there's Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok and everything. Like a friend reached out to me recently and was, should I start a blog? Should I start a podcast? Should I start a YouTube channel? What if I do all three at once? Like that would be the best way. I'm like, that is the fastest way to burn out right there. <laughs> you would burn out yesterday that way. Like you're going right. to be like, so I, I quit all of this because it's too much. It's kind of like going to a mall. You know, if you go to a high-end mall, they have high-end stores and low-end stores. And if you go to Bergdorf's or you go to Gucci and you're not ready to spend a you know, couple thousand dollars, you're in the wrong place. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. It just means that your budget might be Fashion Nova, which, you know, for girls, we know that's like $30. So you can't take a $30 mentality into a multi-million dollar place. And so some of the places, they require you to think differently and to show up differently and to only show this much of yourself. And I couldn't imagine someone on LinkedIn, you know, people on YouTube eat like those crabs. They're all in there eating crabs. You can't do that on LinkedIn. That's not where you're showing up like that. You just have to decide where your voice makes the most sense and what's really easy for you at the time. Like you should be where it's easy for you because if it's a struggle, you're not going to continue. You're going to quit. Yeah, totally. Danita, before we go, what would be your couple of big takeaways that you would share with online content creators? Whether it's, you know, how to approach their content creation process or grow their business. What are the things you're finding right now are kind of quick to implement but have a big impact? I think the number one thing, and we talked about this earlier, is invest in finding your brand voice. So whether that's hiring a coach or going through a program, until you know who you want to talk to and why you want to talk to them, that's your first key step. So who you want to talk to, why you want to talk to them, what their struggles are, invest some time in figuring that out before you jump into the big world. It doesn't take long, but it is worth finding out. So once you find that out and you start talking to those people, don't be afraid to pivot. It's like, Danita, I spent all that time figuring out. But sometimes once you get in, you start talking to people like, well, I don't like this. Then it's okay to pivot. But now you understand the strategy of how to pivot. And that really helps you to be able to amplify your voice quickly and say, hey, you know, I thought I wanted to talk about, you know, single moms. What I really want to talk about is personal development. And you can just make that switch and people will be ready for you when you're ready to switch. I think the last thing is when you are creating content, keep your customer's voice in mind, like whatever they're struggling with, what they're thinking about, how they're feeling. You want to 
be able to address that and help them through that struggle and show the good and the bad. So when you can do both of those things, it helps people to say, I like that person. That's all they're wanting to build up. When you're meeting somebody online, you want to see, do you like them? Kind of like dating. It's like, oh, do I like that person? Okay, I want more time with them. That's all we're doing. We're capturing their attention so that people can say yes or say no. And when they say no, that's a good thing too, because then you can get away from the people who don't want you and grow towards the people who do. Those are my tips. Oh, that's great advice. Awesome. So I really enjoyed this conversation, Danita. So glad you came on the show today. Before we go, can you just share with everyone where they can find you online? Absolutely. So you can find me. My website is danitascott.com. So it's D-A-N-I-T-A-S-C-O-T-T. And you can find me on Facebook underneath the same name. And you can also find me on Instagram under Danita Speaks. So those are all the ways that people can find me in the platforms I'm most active on. I'm learning how to be active on LinkedIn. And so it's under my name, Danita Scott, too. Once again, thanks a lot. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Content Heroes podcast. I just wanted to take a second and let you know that we have some amazing guests planned for the coming weeks. So if you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe so you can make sure to catch every episode. And if you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and leave a five-star review to help make it easier for other content creators to find and enjoy the show. Lastly, I'd like to invite you to join our Content Heroes Facebook community where you can connect with other online content creators to share, learn, grow, and have fun. To join the group, just visit contentheroes.com slash Facebook. Once again, that is contentheroes.com slash Facebook.